Welcome back to part two of how to use real estate losses to avoid W-2 taxes. If you're joining us right now and you have not watched video number one, then I would encourage you to click on the link to go ahead and watch the first video. This video will teach you around the depreciation, the passive activity loss rules, material participation, so you have a better idea of how to leverage depreciation to offset W-2 and 1099 taxes with real estate investing. For those of you who are joining me today, just wanna to welcome you back to today's video. With part two, I wanna go into some of the topics that I wanna talk about around leveraging real estate, but also making sure that you're doing it the right way. When it comes to buying real estate, one of the things that I wanna make sure that I talk on is that short-term rentals and real estate professional status should not be the end game. What I mean by that is if you only choose to focus on going after the real estate professional status or the short-term rental status, and you don't truly try to build a real real estate portfolio, you are doomed to lose. That's right, the reason why you're doomed to lose is I've seen so many people go into real estate with only the intention of trying to offset their W-2 or 1099 income, they aren't investing in real good real estate deals. And what ends up happening is the market ends up turning and they're left with a property where they have it sitting vacant, they don't have a tenant paying down the mortgage, or they're underwater and they're covering their mortgage and they've already accelerated their depreciation. And now they feel like the asset isn't a great asset for them to keep long-term because they're not cash flowing. You see, real estate is not just about the tax savings. Real estate is about understanding how to find a great deal where you're gonna get the principal pay down. And I really like real estate because you're borrowing debt from somebody else, the banks, and then you're turning around and having someone else arbitrage that debt for you, which is your tenant. And what I mean by the arbitrage the debt is you're pretty much outsourcing who pays for your mortgage. But if you're the one that's paying for your mortgage, that's no different than having a primary residence. You should be in a position where you have a tenant that is constantly paying down your principal. Now, one of the things that we talked about in the last video was how to use real estate losses to avoid W-2 and 1099 taxes in the form of accelerating depreciation. To give you a quick refresher on how we do this, we perform what's called a cost segregation study. All of that a cost segregation study is, is just getting the cost of all the components that make up one of these and segregating them out of the actual building structure. Typically when you do this, you'll see that there's a five, seven, 15 year bucket that the government's created for all of the items that could ever be inside of a property. Whether it's a chimney, an elevator, even the shrubbery on the outside of your house. All of those items can be written off and the government has already determined how fast those items should be written off. The reason why the government allows for you to just write them off over the course of 27 and a half years is because they want you to take straight line depreciation if you don't understand accelerated depreciation. The reason why they would rather you take straight line depreciation if you do not understand accelerated depreciation is because it's easier to file your tax return and it's easier to make less mistakes when it comes to your financial planning. Those who are accelerating depreciation are taking control of their financial planning. And what they're really doing is they're saying, hey, every single person who buys an investment property gets depreciation. I just wanna take some of my depreciation and take it quicker. Now, when you decide to take some of your depreciation in a quicker amount of time, you're forcing a paper loss. This paper loss can offset your W-2 and your 1099 income if 
you qualify as a real estate professional or if you're using the short-term rental strategy that we mentioned in video number one. So if you haven't watched that video, go ahead and go over to that video to make sure that you understand those two strategies before moving forward. But now that you understand those two strategies and the ins and outs of how the government created the passive activity loss rules, the next conversation that you might wanna know is Carlton, what is the downside to me accelerating my depreciation? Will I ever have to pay taxes on that depreciation in the future? Is there such thing as depreciation recapture? And the answer is yes. Every single landlord, every single person who decides to turn around and rent out their property will have to pay depreciation recapture taxes whenever they decide to dispose of their rental property. But I'm gonna be honest with you. If you're going into real estate, you should really think about whether or not you're a short-term investor or a long-term investor. And here's what I mean. Most short-term investors are looking to get in and out of deals pretty quickly. Maybe they'll jump into a deal, flip it, renovate it, and they're gonna sell it for a profit. But sometimes you'll see investors get into real estate deals, accelerate depreciation with a cost segregation study, and then later down the road, they're selling that asset and they're paying massive amounts of capital gain taxes, plus what's called depreciation recapture taxes, which is typically at your ordinary income tax rates that can go as high as 37%. If we wanna avoid some of this depreciation recapture, if we wanna be able to get around depreciation recapture, we first have to understand what it is. When you decide to go into real estate and you decide to perform the cost segregation study where you're segregating all of the components out of the property and writing them off in one, five, seven, or even 15 years, you're pretty much taking your benefits up front. But if you're doing this, you should be very mindful of the repercussions of selling the asset in the near future which is why I believe that real estate accelerated depreciation should be only reserved for long-term real estate investors. Because if you get into a position where you sell your property, all of the depreciation that you took on your tax returns from the previous years will come back to you in the current year as ordinary income, subject to ordinary income tax rates. Any amount of depreciation you didn't accelerate will be taxed up to 25%, and then any of the amount that you actually gain on the property, so what's considered the true capital gain, the appreciated amount when you decided to sell the property, that amount is actually subject to the capital gains tax rates that you're familiar with, zero, 15, and 20%. Most taxpayers think that when they sell a property that they're only gonna be subject to capital gains taxes, but that is not true. If you accelerate the depreciation on a property, you will pay depreciation recapture taxes, and this is a big amount that is a surprise to many real estate investors. This is why going into real estate should not be a short-term gain. If you're a true investor, then you believe in staying in real estate for the long term and eventually passing on those assets to your heirs. And in order to stay in real estate long term, the goal is for you to have the most amount of money possible today to reinvest for today so you can get into more and more real estate that you can pass on to your heirs. This is where we invite the conversation of time value of money. Time value of money tells us that a dollar today is worth more than a dollar tomorrow because of inflation. Inflation is over 8% right now. And if you're thinking that inflation is gonna to continue to increase, then your goal would be to save the most amount of money right now. This is why we look at the cost segregation study. The cost segregation study allows for us to accelerate depreciation 
avoid most of our taxes and be able to have more upfront cash flow to turn around to reinvest back into real estate. But if you're a short-term investor, this would be a bad decision to make. If you're trying to accelerate depreciation and then take those profits and then not reinvest them back into real estate and continue to grow your real estate portfolio, then you're not an investor that believes in real estate for the long term and you should not look at doing the cost segregation study. But most people that I work with and most people that I talk to tell me, Carlton, I'm here to build generational wealth. I believe real estate will be a part of my retirement and I wanna own real estate long-term and eventually leave some to my heirs, such as my children. If this is you, then the cost segregation study might make sense because now you're choosing to accelerate something that was already given to you so you can grow this business, real estate investing, into a larger portfolio for yourself a lot quicker. And in return, you have the ability to retire faster by offsetting your W-2 and offsetting your 1099 income at the same time. But if you're accelerating depreciation, then you need to make sure that you're not only focused on just depreciation acceleration, you have to be focused on finding the right deal. So let's talk about that. When it comes to finding the right deal, what I look at is the building's value compared to the land's value. I shop location and I'm shopping for the ability to pay down the mortgage. What I mean by that is I wanna be able to buy real estate in an area where I know that most tenants are not leaving all the time. I want my tenant to be in the property for long periods of time if I'm getting into long-term rentals, and I wanna be able to see my property appreciate. So I'm looking for an area that has somewhat appreciation. But most importantly, I'm also determining what is the building's value versus the land value. Since we all know, based off of last video, that the IRS does not allow for us to write off the land, we have to shop for rental properties that gives us enough building value, but also matches those other two characteristics. It needs to be in an area where people want to live and want to live for long periods of time, and it needs to be in an area where there could be growth and job growth. If I'm shopping in the right markets, I'm able to find a property that not only satisfies my ability to pay down my principal, and gives me the tax benefits, I'm also securing my W-2 income and my wealth that I'm building on that side of the table because now I'm not covering my own mortgage. My tenant is covering the mortgage for me. This is so important when you're going into real estate. You do not wanna go into real estate and then turn around and have somebody move out of your property and you cannot get that property re-rented all because you just wanted to have tax benefits in that year. This is how most people end up leaving real estate and never end up getting back into real estate again because they feel like they wasted money. They got this huge tax benefit in their first year of owning the property because they leveraged real estate professional status or the short-term rental rule, but then by year two or year three, the, the property is uninhabited, they haven't done any work on it, and now they're ready to sell it and they're gonna pay all these depreciation recapture taxes. Here's the thing I want you to understand. If you are this person, you will not enjoy being a real estate investor because you have not truly understand the game of real estate yet. And it's my job to make sure as a tax professional that I'm teaching you the game the right way. If you are going to go into real estate, this is a long-term game. This is chess, this is not checkers, this is a long-term game, it is not Uno, it is not over quickly. If you believe in real estate, then you will believe in staying in real estate as a long-term investment. And what that means is, is that you're gonna be able to eventually buy more real estate with the tax savings that you're receiving from depreciation. 
Let me explain how this is done. In order to invest in more real estate, when it comes to being a real estate investor, you can do this in two different ways. You can do this via the tax savings that you're receiving from accelerating depreciation, which means the refund that you get back when you file your tax returns, all of that money that you had withheld on your W-2 paychecks can come back in the form of a refund, or if you're 1099, not being able to pay in any more taxes and being able to reinvest those tax savings into a future deal. Or one of the things that you can do is leverage your own investment property's equity. You see, as your tenants are paying down your mortgage, equity is building up in your property. Most savvy and most wealthy investors will turn around and tap into this equity without compromising their debt to income ratio too much. And this is how they do it. They'll wait until their equity has grown to a place where they pay down a good amount of debt and they'll perform either a cash out refinance where they'll take cash that is tax free out of the equity portion of the property and refinance the loan and then go ahead and buy another investment property or they will do a home equity line of credit, aka a HELOC. With a home equity line of credit, you are not renegotiating your loan, but you're choosing to take a line of credit based on the equity that you have in the property, which will have to be paid back over long periods of time. But being able to get access to this home equity line of credit is also tax-free money that you can utilize to reinvest back into real estate. Now, if you're deciding to take equity from one property, you might be saying, Carlton, aren't I taking on more debt? And the answer is yes. But here is why the wealthy use debt to their advantage. If you are thinking that having debt is a bad thing, then real estate may not be the best vehicle for you. You see, there's two different types of debt. There's good debt and there's bad debt. Good debt comes from the mortgage system that was created by the government. Bad debt comes from consumer debt in the form of high interest rates such as credit cards or hard money. If you're going into real estate, typically real estate has interest rates anywhere between four to 8% right now. It's a lot cheaper than the interest rates on your credit cards from Amex or Chase. So if you decide to borrow from your own property, you're borrowing from a place of good debt to reinvest back into an investment that might pay you more than the 8% on the money that you're borrowing. How do I know this? Because most taxpayers who are reinvesting back into real estate are doing this for a very particular reason. They're doing this to stack their investments and to stack their depreciation. You see, when you have depreciation on your tax returns and you're factoring in the cash flow that you're earning from your tenant, you are able to actually receive sometimes better returns than your 401k, than the stock market and the interest rate in which you're borrowing the money from. And this is how wealthy investors continue to stay in real estate and get bigger and bigger portfolios. But here's the one thing I want you to be mindful of. You have to be careful with leveraging debt. This is not to say that you are in a position to just go ahead and take a HELOC or go ahead and take a cash out refinance. This is me telling you the system of how the wealthy have been able to stay wealthy for long periods of time. Now, when it comes to depreciation recapture, one of the things that I want you to know is that if you're a long-term investor, you do not have to worry about depreciation recapture. Many taxpayers struggle on the internet with trying to go back and forth around depreciation recapture, don't do cost segregation studies, because they're uneducated around long-term real estate investing. If you're investing in real estate for the long-term, you will utilize the tax code IRC 1031 exchange. You see, with the IRC 1031 exchange, you're identifying a property that is equal to your property that you've already accelerated depreciation on. 
And if you decide to sell your existing property, the one that you've already done the cost segregation study on, you can sell that property, identify a new property within 180 days and close escrow and roll over all of the capital gains and all the depreciation capture taxes into the new property, avoiding taxes completely. But here's the catch and probably the part that you were waiting for. Do you get new depreciation? The answer is yes. Anytime that you decide to do a 1031 exchange, you will take on new depreciation after you have adjusted your basis when you roll over the capital gains into the new property. This is so beautiful because if you decide to stay in real estate, that means you can perform another cost segregation study on a more expensive property that's gonna create an even bigger paper loss to offset your W-2 and 1099 taxes. This is how we can get to retirement faster. Now, you might be wondering, Carlton, there can only be so many 1031 exchanges I can do. Well, the truth is, is you can do as many 1031 exchanges as you would like to perform. But as you start to buy more real estate, you'll start to do it without leveraging all of the equity inside of your property. You'll start to use some of the tax savings that you had saved up, some of the extra W-2 income that you had saved up, and some of the extra 1099 income that you had saved up. And even as you start to go into it more and more, you might even decide to self-direct your solo 401k or your IRA and invest in real estate through those retirement accounts as well. But here's the catch. If you think that one day you're gonna pay taxes on all of that depreciation, you are wrong. And the reason why is because there is a tool that allows for you to transfer wealth to your heirs and to your children. And this tool is called the step up in basis. You see, with a step up in basis, you're able to let go of all of your properties after you die, as long as those properties are in a trust and those properties will be transferred to your beneficiaries without the beneficiaries needing to pay capital gains taxes. Awesome. Yes. It's the craziest thing I've ever read in the tax code and probably one of the reasons why I'm most excited about real estate. You see, if I'm telling people to accelerate depreciation, I don't wanna set them up for failure. I want them to be able to maximize the amount of tax savings that they can receive, but then not hurt anyone in the future, including themselves. And this is one of the ways in which they can protect themselves, build a real estate portfolio, and be able to pass on generational wealth. When you decide to establish a revocable living trust and transfer your real estate assets inside of that revocable living trust, on the day that you die, your children or your beneficiaries will receive what's called a step up in basis. What this means to you is whatever you bought your property at and whatever depreciation you took no longer matters. What matters is what the property is valued at based on the moment you die. And what that means is, is when you die, your children have a basis stepped up to whatever the value of those properties that were in the trust at the date of your death. Which means if your children decide that they want to sell those properties, they can sell those properties without experiencing any of the capital gains taxes that you had or the depreciation capture taxes that you were gonna face or really any capital gains taxes because they're getting a step up in basis. They will pay zero capital gains taxes if they sell the asset that has been transferred to them via the trust. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm leaving my kids three properties worth two million, and they can just sell that and instantly have two million of tax-free income, 
I would feel really good about myself leaving my children behind a good estate. But maybe you wanna go even past two million. Maybe your goal is to plan on having a real estate portfolio that's upwards to 15 or 20 million. Well, with this strategy, the step up in basis, you can mitigate a good amount of the taxes that your children would pay on your estate by simply transferring assets and allowing for them to receive this step up in basis. This is how true generational wealth is built and why many people seek me as a tax professional to be able to guide them on how to do this successfully. One of the things that I've done is I spent a lot of time implementing the cost segregation study strategy into my firm. We have done over 2,500 cost segregation studies in our firm. That's a lot of tax savings. And one of the things that we've done now is we started to help clients find properties that match the tax savings that they're looking for in desired locations where there is appreciation and a great amount of principal pay down because there is consistency in you being able to get the property rented by your tenant. The last thing I would want you to do is to be so excited about real estate, but then find out that you have to go find the property yourself, find somebody else to do the cost segregation study, set up all the LLCs yourself, and then all of a sudden make sure that it magically happens on your tax return and that you're getting the tax savings. Here at Tax Alchemy, we would like to do 100% of that heavy lifting. We will help you find the property. We'll help you perform the cost segregation study, and we will set up your LLC so you can transfer assets to your children or to your heirs in the proper way. That means that we also have to invite in the estate planning and making sure that you're partnered with the right attorney to establish your trust that owns your LLCs so you can pass on generational wealth. This is my plan for many of you to get to retirement, being able to replace your nine to five salary based off of the tax savings plus the cash flow you're receiving from your property, but also being able to build a real estate portfolio that you can pass on to your heirs. In order to truly understand real real estate investing, you have to spend real time in the investments. Don't listen to all those people in the comments that bash on depreciation recapture taxes. My customers do not pay depreciation recapture taxes because they're in real estate for the long term. And if you ever decide to exit the game of real estate, then the tax strategist that you're working with should be able to come up with a strategy to help you offset that depreciation recapture taxes and position you to save the most amount of money possible. My name is Carlton Dennis. I love real estate and I'm an avid fan of the tax code. And if you like this today, I would invite you to join me during the Tax-Free Wealth Challenge in August. During these five days, I'll give you the secret sauce game that I do not share on YouTube around strategies that you should be implementing to be able to reduce your tax bill in real time. If you think that real estate is the only means to offset your taxes, you are so wrong. There are so many other strategies within the tax code that can benefit you and I wanna be able to give you access. So if that is you, I look forward to seeing you at the Tax-Free Wealth event. Go ahead and click on the link below to purchase your ticket. To everyone else, I want to say thank you so much for joining this video. You know what to do. Like, comment, subscribe. You know what it is. I'll see you in the next one. Cheers.